I'm just talking, babbling. This is what you came here for, isn't it? Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of So I Got My BFA, dot dot dot. My name is Kelsey McFall and I am the host of this podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for clicking back on. You guys already know what's about to happen. If you are new, thank you for finding this podcast and joining us for today for my hour of babbling about musical theater. Um, This is a podcast where I basically talk about all the things that I feel qualified to talk about because I just recently graduated with my BFA in musical theater. (laughs) Guys, today is a very exciting episode. Today we have a very special guest. It is comedian extraordinaire, um, funniest person I know, the beautiful, the brainy, the (laughs) bubbly Genevieve Taylor. That was quite the introduction. Thank you. I'm flattered. I think that I'm quite good at introducing people. I mm-hmm. think I feel like I really capture their essence and um, everything that they're truly about. Don't oh, you think? Totally. Oh yeah. Charming, none the least. Oh yeah. Genevieve, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh okay. So I am originally from Boothbay Harbor, Maine. I moved to New York four years ago to go to college with Miss Kelsey here. We both graduated with our BFAs in May. Hey-o! During this wretched year. <laughs> um, so Genevieve is also qualified to talk about all the things we'll be talking about today. Oh, yes. Very, very qualified, <laughs> I would say. Do you eat a lot of lobster because you're from Maine? You know, I actually don't eat as much as you would think. I probably have it once or twice a year, and that's really? about it. Yeah, that's really it. I feel like if I lived in Maine, I would eat lobster nonstop. I really like lobster rolls. Lobster rolls are good. Oh, wait, do you like lobster, like cold lobster rolls or hot lobster rolls? Ones I, with mayo, ones with butter. I think cold. Oh, no. I'm I sorry. Can't. I don't know the right answer to that. It's okay. I've only had, like, two, and I think I had one in, like, Boston. Boston? Yeah, when I was auditioning, it was four years ago, four oh or five my. years ago, actually. Oh my god, we're old. Help anyway, <laughs> so um, Genevieve, I uh, I have a, a game we're going to play. Oh. Yeah. Fancy. I know. And I know all of you returning listeners are wondering, Kelsey, we play the game at the end. What do you mean we have a game to play at the beginning? And Genevieve is looking at me dumbfounded because I know she's listened to many of these podcasts before. So she definitely knows the order of the segments, right? Definitely. Right, Genevieve? I listen to this religiously. Oh, yeah. What, what, what's your favorite one? The Into the Woods one. Oh, <laughs> the singular one she listened to because she had to do pro- podcast prep. Listen, I call this girl every day. I don't need to listen to her talk on a podcast <laughs> for an hour. Okay, you can cut that out, Mickey. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so we're going to play a little get to know you game because as you have said, you have also graduated with your BFA in musical theater. So mm-hmm. I feel like the audience should get to know a little bit about you. And since you are the first guest on the podcast, you have no idea what the questions are going to be. And I decided to do this about 15 minutes ago. So are you ready? I'm so ready. I haven't told her about this at all. She's really mad at me. She likes to prep. Okay. <laughs> so this is like a lightning round. Okay. I, okay. So, got it. First thing that comes to your head. Totally. Okay, got ready? it. Yeah. <clears throat> Favorite musical? Once on the Island. Hmm. Hands down. Hands down. Favorite Broadway actress? Ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> Bernadette Peters. Amazing. Favorite Broadway actor? Um, oh my god. I, wah. <laughs> you know, 
Aaron Tveit was my favorite when I was 15, so we'll go with him. Okay, Aaron Tveit and Bernadette Peters, two of the classics. Oh, yeah. Actor, singer, dancer, or triple threat? What? Oh, my God. Um, Sutton Foster. Sutton Foster. <laughs> She's a triple. No, right? I'm asking you, are you an actor, singer, dancer, or triple threat? Oh, I thought you were asking me who my favorite <laughs> but was. But she very much knows my brand. We, I didn't even think we were going to mention Sutton Foster on the podcast today, but she brought it up, not me. You heard it here first. Okay, What? wait, so what did you ask me? Okay, actor, singer, dancer, or triple threat? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Be kind actor? to yourself. Actor? All right. Golden Age or contemporary musical theater? I would say I'm a transitional early contemporary. I really can swing into both. Okay. Um, Wait, no, but which one do you prefer to watch? Like, what do you like better? Oh, that's impossible. I like them all. I don't know. I'm a huge sucker for the classics, though. You can catch me watching, like, The Sound of Music on a Saturday night. Heyo. We'll go with Golden Age then. Movies or TV shows? TV shows. Do you consider eating in the theater rude or normal? Eating like what? Like you know, M&Ms? Like, like snacks? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Okay, now we're going to do a composer this or that. So we're going to start with Sondheim. Into the Woods or Sunday in the Park with George? Into the Woods. Wicked or Children of Eden? Oh! <laughs> oh my gosh. I knew All this right. was going to get you. So here's the thing. Are you asking me which one I like better? Which like, one do you prefer? Oh, Children of Eden is my home. Like, I have to go with that one. But Wicked is everything too that's that's an impossible decision oh that's that's what I like to ask on these podcasts um phantom of the opera or cats my instinct says cats I don't know why I really like that opening number (laughs) (laughs) see I think they're both crazy but I dislike phantom of the opera so much that I would prefer cats over it as well really why do you dislike it I just don't I don't know I've never like I've never been interested in seeing it I don't like the music little mermaid or beauty and the beast beauty and the beast and most valuable thing you learned while getting your BFA. It can either be like acting or like a life lesson you learned. Oh, breath. You know, honestly, like I, it sounds very basic, but like you actually, we, we did something funny when we were on FaceTime like last week. I was like fake singing you a song mm-hmm. and you were like, really feel it, really give it to me. And I <laughs> took that deep inhale and I have never felt the... No one is there <laughs> more than I ever have when I took in that big breath yeah yeah so I would say breath is probably the most important because before college I never even thought of breath as a thing I would like to say that breathing is you know important to life as well I'm aware but you don't (laughs) usually think about it you know oh yeah definitely well that's all the questions I have congratulations you made it through oh yeah and we're done with the podcast just kidding (laughs) if only All right, well, now that we've introduced you, why don't we move on to our first segment of the day, which is the weekly obsessions. Oh, I already know what this is. Oh, do you? Yes. Well, I have a couple, so we'll get to, I already know what you want to talk about. Well, I have one, and it's the biggest scandal of the century. (laughs) Biggest scandal? Okay, well, we'll get to that. I'm pretty sure that it's one that's already on my list. It is. I guess scandal was the wrong word, but I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. All right, well, we'll talk about that second so we can really delve into that. But first, okay. I want to talk about, you're on TikTok, right? Barely. I have a TikTok You have account. a TikTok, but you don't make TikToks. I don't make TikToks. I am an adult. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I see some really awesome adults out there making some really awesome TikToks, but I don't have time. That's fair. I really don't. That's fair. I know. I only post every once in a while when I'm only like feel inspired. I don't, I'm like not one of those TikTokers that's like, let me do like a put a finger down thing. Like I like want to 
if I'm going to make a TikTok, I want it to be, like, funny. I or... like your TikToks. I, I have said this before, that I will, like, go and I will look at your TikToks. I like TikToks that have had a lot of effort put into them. I mm-hmm. will never understand the TikToks that are just, like, people sipping on a straw looking high out of their minds. <laughs> and everyone's, like, retweet or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, that just aged me, like, seven <laughs> years. But No, but, like, it's ridiculous because I'm on TikTok and I, like, I'm over here thinking I'm doing well getting, like, 70 plus likes but then I'm scrolling and like a person making coffee who put absolutely zero effort into it it has like a million likes and oh I I'm swear. like what <laughs> I swear I have seen the dumbest TikToks be famous someone I know sent me a TikTok and they were like look how many likes I got and I didn't even get it I was like is this supposed yeah. to be funny I don't know so I'm pretty sure that was me thanks a lot Anyway, um, you're right. Sorry. So speaking of dumb TikToks or what I perceive to be dumb TikToks, let's talk about some TikTok trends that I am convinced were created by musical theater students. Okay. The first one is obviously musical theater influenced. It's Ratatouille the Musical. So basically what the premise is, is a lot of people are like this. Someone wrote a song that's like, Remy the Ratatouille, the rat of all our dreams. And people make, like, audition tapes for it. And they're like, this is my audition tape to be Remy. And so it's like she has mouse ears and she's singing. Or it's like to be in the ensemble and it's literally people in mouse ears, like, dancing. And, like, it's a trend that I wish would die out. That's incredible. Because of that movie, when I eat strawberries, I also have to take a bite of With cheese. cheese. Yes. Okay, so I don't. I take a bite of both. And it is incredible. And I see the swirly and everything that that little rat sees. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yes. I've never done that. However, when it happens in the movie, I'm always like, that looks like the most decadent, like, five-star oh. meal. And it's literally a strawberry and cheese. Get but it, they make some, it. some, like, sharp cheddar or aged Parmesan and a juicy berry. <laughs> and it's, like, life-changing. They make it look so good. But I wish that this trend would die out because, I don't know, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, like, the whole, like, premise of it. But I guess that's kind of what MT TikTok is. I guess. And, I wouldn't really know. And but. then, so the other thing I want to talk about is, you've seen it, you think it's ridiculous, and I think it's ridiculous, but I also think it's funny, and I really want to do it. But there's this new trend that's going around, it's like, it's basically, I don't I, I don't even know what song it is, but it's like, wolves, it's like a wolf bit. Oh, I and hate I'm, this one too. It's, it's literally like, I don't two people, it. two people are facing each other, and the song is like, I'm the alpha, I'm the, and then they sing about being wolves, and then they like, run, fake run on the ground. Maybe I'm just not open-minded, but I literally, I, I will never understand. It's so silly, but I'm convinced that it that trend was started by a freshman year acting major. That's some stuff that we do in acting class freshman you know what? year. I'm not going to lie, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm convinced because we walk into acting class and they're like, take on the shape of a horse today or be a snake. Yeah, or I remember like, one time I had to, like, write my name in the air with my dinosaur tail, and I was like, okay. It's so crazy, the things that you, you, you do know, in really acting does, class. It does help you, like, today. Like, Well, yeah, I feel like it opens you up, and it, like, you know, it it, it is, like, a helpful activity. However, I'm just, like, Those freshman no, year acting exercises have magical powers. Right, but no normal person just decided that that was a good trend to do on TikTok the day. That was definitely created by a freshman year acting teacher. I don't know, People are pretty weird. You don't have to be an acting major to be really weird. You're right. Well, okay, so that's not 
really an obsession. I just really wanted to talk about that. But here's the real obsession Can of the I week. Can I please say it? Okay, go ahead, Genevieve. Season You're the guest. 17, Grey's Anatomy. Please tell me you guys watch it. <laughs> I was sobbing. Okay, so this is a spoiler if you haven't seen the first two episodes of Season 17 of Grey's Anatomy. So if you haven't and you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead a few minutes. But go okay, ahead. Well, I'm just going to say it right now so that you guys don't get the big spoiler. But Derek, is that you, Patrick Dempsey, Patrick, standing on the beach? Patrick Dempsey on the beach. All the way this, from Lewiston, Maine. He comes back to Seattle. In this sexy, like, blue shirt with, like, oh, cut-off khakis. I Man. could not think of a better ending to an episode. I'm telling you, that episode alone saved 2020. I'll say it. It did, and I watched an I watched an interview with Ellen Pompeo talking to someone. I forget who. I forget who it was. But she did say, she was like, we have an opportunity to bring happiness and light to 2020. We have to take it. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a great mindset. Right. And I think that every other character on Grey's Anatomy <laughs> that has left us should do that as well. Right. I, I was watching or I read a similar article to that where they were they were basically saying that 2020 has been a really crappy year, um, obviously. So much stuff has, has gone on. And so they were thinking of a way to bring their viewers a bit of joy and a bit of happiness in these like terrible times. And of course, the whole uh, the rest of the episode is all about COVID-19. and Which they portrayed beautifully, yeah, in they my did a, opinion. Yeah, they did a really good job. You know, watching, watching that episode now, it's November now, but watching it as if this was all happening in April of 2020 it really like brings you back and you're like oh my gosh like that was how it was like and how much it's evolved and also with things getting worse now it's like are we gonna go back to that it's really scary and it's really sad but it was definitely eye-opening like I think they did a great job it's really beautifully portrayed I think and I I think it's also an eye-opener to people who don't necessarily see the catastrophic effects of COVID-19 and what it's doing to our you know healthcare workers and our doctors let alone like all of the people Mm -hmm. who are dying you know well I'll be honest I mean you know Maine is one of the um one of the states that has like the least amount of cases Mm -hmm. and um that's where I was from March 15th that that doomsday March 15th (laughs) we all remember March 15th yeah but from March 15th up until this past week that's where I was and definitely it took a long time and it's still progressing for people to even get on board and understand fully like what is happening but I think that yeah it was beautifully portrayed and then that of course the like the ending was just everything that we we needed like to see just to see Meredith and Derek looking at each other on a beach it was just so it was just like it was very nostalgic and it like made you feel good I am a sucker for coming full circle that is like my whole life like I think I try to like craft my life into coming full circle which is kind of scary I hope that doesn't mean I end up in Maine (laughs) but um no but like I really do I I love when things come full circle I love when things from the past pop up right in a positive way not that we know that this is positive she's probably dying (laughs) we'll have to see yeah this week tomorrow yeah well and if you if you haven't seen it yet go check it out it's they're really really good good episodes and I'm like very much on the side of Grey's has 
deteriorated over the years, especially since they killed Derek off. Oh, where is um, your loyalty? Well, I, I, I would say <laughs> that my loyalty is in the fact that I have continued to watch for six more seasons after that happened, mm-hmm. and a bunch of people haven't. But I will say that these two episodes are have definitely like picked it up. Even and if you're not a Grey's Anatomy fan, even if you've never watched the series ever... I think those first two episodes of season 17 are valuable. I had my mom watch it, and mm-hmm. she does not watch Grey's Anatomy. And, you know, even she was like, wow, that's fantastic. And I think it got her excited about maybe wanting to watch more of the series because she's like, now what's this relationship here, and why is this happening, and what like <laughs> that, and who's this guy on the beach? Why is he important? And I'm like, mom, get it together. <laughs> she's got a lot to catch yeah, up on. She does. <laughs> those fun. characters feel like family. They, they carried me through some very lonely times while in we're high school. A, while we're on the topic of feel-good shows, so I've been forcing uh, Genevieve to watch Gilmore Girls oh, while she's hi. here, which is, of course, you guys know my feel-good show. So what are, your, what are your thoughts so far? We're on, we just finished episode six of season one. I, I'm on board. I've told you, I love super dramatic shows. Right. Like, for me, like, Outlander is a must. Mm-hmm. Um, So I like stuff like that, but I'm on board. It's, it's nice. I think it kind of hits home for me a little bit because I grew up with just me and my mom. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see that dynamic on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I like it so far. I'm interested to see where it goes. It's very much a light a candle, pop some popcorn, right. drink a bottle of wine and That's what I love about it. It's just a feel with your girlfriend. It's just a feel good show that like you can watch really I feel like whenever you're just like feeling mm-hmm. like in the mood to watch something or you just want to feel good. Like mm-hmm. it's just that type of show there's like nothing really like too dramatic happens in it yeah realistic and also Lauren Graham's acting yes she is very good Kelsey (laughs) I agree I agree she's very good she has to hear me talk about Lauren Graham pretty much every day of my life she is very good I'm obsessed with her my high school top science teacher is very good at acting (laughs) her high school science teacher is named Lauren Graham that's hilarious to me okay so anyway that wraps up the weekly obsessions and now we're gonna move on to the Musical of the week. Genevieve, what is the musical of the week? Oh, you did this on purpose. I might have. Oh my goodness. Of course it's Once on this Island, my favorite. We are talking about Once on this Island. This is both Genevieve and my favorite musical. Oh, this is your favorite too. Well, the, no, it's no, not. No, 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 no. No, because I listened to that podcast and what? You landed on Into the I, Woods, I should have said, I, no, Wicked. Um, oh, I should have said one of my favorite musicals, which is weird because I haven't put this on any of my, like it wasn't on the list of like musicals that I went through. Well, this is one of, this is a very nostalgic musical for me, but it is one of my favorites and we'll get into that. But of course, we're going to start with the Wikipedia synopsis. Once on this Island is a one-act musical with a book and lyrics by Lynn Ahrens and music by Stephen Flaherty based on a 1985 novel, My Love, My Love, or The Peasant Girl by Rosa Guy. It is set in the French Antilles in the Caribbean Sea. It concerns a peasant girl on a tropical island who uses the power of love to bring people together of different social classes. How relevant. Right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. First of all, Genevieve, how well would you say the Wikipedia synopsis summarizes the musical? Do you think it does a pretty good job? Or do you Um, think it's it's lacking? Well, you know me. I'm like, I love detail. Um, Me too. That's why it's so, that's why I do these because it's so hard for me to like summarize. I guess, I mean, not one line, like it's pretty, that's, 
that sums it up in like a sentence. Yeah, I feel like it does a pretty good job. Legally Blonde did really well. And then last week I did Ragtime and I felt like it didn't cover the story at all. And I was like, it's a little bit lacking. But I say this would do like a a middle of the line synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Genevieve. So I don't know what your story with Loving Ones on this Island is. But for me, it's just, I feel like there's not another show out there like it. Because I think it does what musical theater does best. It literally tells a story and it's all about storytelling and it's I mean it's simple love story you know I think it's really beautiful for me it's really beautiful because it takes really simple things like elements water and earth and (laughs) and just makes it very magical it like it brings you in tune with like the earth and how it can help you but also like this is like their religion you know like they pray to gods I like I'm not kidding this is kind of silly but I used to pray to these gods (laughs) like I used to be like out on the recess field like Erzuli who will my love be I hope it's that boy who sits three desks over (laughs) and that's why you had no friends in middle school that is true (laughs) that is absolutely true that's so funny I just think that it it takes the storytelling element to of theater to it like a new level I mean it's all about like we tell the story and this is why because it's so important for the story to be told and I think the other thing that I love about it it's like it's not all fairy tale you know like it's, it's I mean very real spo- spoiler she doesn't get the guy in the end she dies in the end yeah I know and that's just very heartbreaking <laughs> <laughs> but she becomes a beautiful tree for the, the children. Mm -hmm. of both the poor and the wealthy to intermingle in between that's that's, a really beautiful symbolism that's true is that what it is well she becomes a tree and then daniel's child daniel's children look up and see a beautiful yeah like i literally know the lines like a beautiful young (laughs) high in its branches looking out at the world yeah so yeah that's a nice way to look at it You know, but I, we can also come... Well, no, I guess we're talking about it now. Yeah, and I think, like, the, end. the themes in the musical are, like, really... They're just mm-hmm. really nice. Like, love conquering death, first of all. And yeah. then, you know, two different worlds becoming one mm-hmm. and intermingling and normalizing that. And I just... I think it's a it's a beautiful story, and it's also an important story to tell. Oh, definitely important. Anybody who says they don't, like, once on this island, ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Lynn Ahrens and Stephen Flaherty, I talked about Ragtime last week. So mm-hmm. I, I just think that they, the, one of the things I talked about is that they are really good at creating the atmosphere of the show with their oh, orchestration. I, I love them, honestly. Like, they've done a lot of musicals. They also composed, they wrote Captain Louie, mm-hmm. which is I, I don't know if there's, like, a normal, like, musical, but it's also a junior musical, mm-hmm. and that's just, like, a great story, too, and right. it's literally for kids, but it's just about, like, kids being accepted in new towns and stuff like that, so, like, I love that Susical Susical, obviously. Well, and that's what I Maybe feel like Anastasia every... Anastasia, too. Right, yeah. and I feel like every show they do, they do such a good sh- a job at really creating the environment with... Yeah. Their their music. They're definitely yeah. They're definitely at the and top they of write some list. really good songs. I I feel like I have a lot of yeah. rep from yeah. Their if you canon. don't know who they are, go do a listening assignment. If you don't know <laughs> if you don't know what a listening assignment is, listen to any sort of score. You know, actually listen to a soundtrack. Yeah, listen to a soundtrack of 
any of their musicals or all of their musicals. I don't know. That's some big BFA talk right there. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I did not do that description justice. But just go listen to it. Write down what's good for you. Write down what you can see yourself doing. Educate yourself on them. They're very, very good and their rep is something that you want to have in your back pocket. So I got my BFA, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Not where we just talk about musicals, where we give you assignments for listening to the podcast as well. (laughs) So let's go ahead and get into the musical. So we start off with one of the most iconic numbers, We Dance. Oh my god. I Okay, no, okay. So I saw the Broadway revival. Of course, so did I. Oh my goodness. Beautiful. They, the second... Yeah, there is an island where rivers run deep. Boom! I was like tears streaming down my face. Well, I'm looking at Norm Lewis in the eye, like blowing in kisses from the audience. Well, that's like the a other fool. thing is that it was performed in the revival was in Circle in the Square, which is a, a theater in the round, and it's mm-hmm. also like very close and um, immersive mm-hmm. type of theater. So I think, and I, which I think is perfect for this show because it's it's very, they're mm-hmm. bringing the audience into the story that they're telling. It's oh, not like the they're just... the stage was sand. So oh, yeah. So like on the beach. Oh. It's so good. I mean, there's a reason it won Best Revival. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, just thinking about it, I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the opening, there's some openings to shows that I feel like don't set up the show very well, but this one obviously does like it's it's perfect so it's like this is our culture this is what we do these are the gods that we pray to and this is a story we're about to tell you Mm -hmm. ready set let's go you know yeah and like especially in those last few verses when they talk about you know like what they do like what their day-to-day lives are you know Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. we're planting the seeds and pulling the weeds and we're doing all like the work and you know and the women are having the children and bearing the pain and all that stuff like it just and then it sets up sets up the the poor islanders with the grand elms mm-hmm. and you see the contrast between that yep um who's your favorite god my favorite god i think it's asaka see when i was younger it was definitely asaka but now i'm gonna get hate for this but i think it's papa gay no i get that though i get that though yeah. because there's a very realistic side you know i mean not like i mean yes death is inevitable but there's a very realistic side to Papa Gay. And also, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this in the end, but like he, she mm-hmm. sheds a tear, you know, like starts to feel at the end. You well, know? and he's the god of death. So he, of course, he's going to be seen as the evil character. But when you really think about it, like that's his job. Like he deals with death. It's not like he has a vengeance for going out and killing people. It's that when people die, that is his oh, I always, criteria. I always root for the evil character ever no I well no because it's part of your job as the actor you have to side with your character that is a huge actually no back to your question that is a huge lesson I learned in Mm -hmm. um in school was that you have to have to have to be on your character's side I played a really nasty character sophomore year Mm -hmm. in um one of my scenes and I think one of the most eye-opening, groundbreaking things for me was twisting it to make her to be in the right. Right. And I've talked about that on my pa- podcast mm-hmm. in the past as well. Like, the evil characters, like, don't think that they're evil. They think that they are doing what they have to yeah. do so, to survive. And that comes across to other people as being evil. But the person who is evil cannot view it that way. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, they're, the audience won't be on their side well, ever. it's also always a question, like, 
are they actually evil? Are right. they actually evil or is that just how people are choosing to perceive them? Right. Which is something that you just run into in life in general, not even if you're looking at stories. I know I did a production of Into the Woods four years ago and at the table work, the woman who was playing uh, the stepmother, the evil stepmother, she was like, look, I just want to make a good life for my kid. You know, like, I just want my daughters to be well off and fine. Mm -hmm. And if we have to, you know, I never asked for this. I never meant to marry a drunk and have to take on his daughter as well. And like, just like the way that she explained it all, I was like, oh my God, that sounds so valid. Where from an audience perspective, you're like, oh no, this girl's just a jerk. You know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So... Well, now that we've gone on, on that ta- sorry, tangent. <laughs> sorry, I'm all for tangents. No, me too, girl. I, it happens all the time. But then we get into one small girl, and obviously we see the gods do their, their work, oh, and no. all of they, they're literally like, we're going to save this girl and then send her on a journey. Oh, well, one small girl, it's so beautiful because it just, it shows compassion. Just the fact, like, can you imagine just walking down the street and seeing this baby abandoned, and in, I mean, obviously, we're probably not in the climate for this, but to be, <laughs> instead of, like, take him to a fire station or something, you're like, nope, you're mine now. <laughs> you know? I know. And, like, you know, just taking that on is beautiful, and... Well, and I think the journey of, like, how the gods were, like, leading, you parents, know, leading yeah. it all, Ogwe obviously caused the storm, and then Asaka, you know, took her in and was mm-hmm. like, you know, mama will provide. Mm-hmm. And then Erzuli was compassion towards, I don't know, what Papa Gay did. Obviously, he was... I guess the death proponent of that all, but um, I don't know. I just think it again, like sets up. Well, it literally where the story's gonna it. go. It literally explains it in the song. You right. know, it's you know, like wrapped in a flood by Agua or something, yeah. and sheltered in a tree by Osaka. You know, yeah. So, and then we obviously go throughout that show or that song, and she grows up. And you meet the parents. Oh who yeah, are, I gotta <laughs> say it. My favorite character is Mama Yurley. Really, she's my favorite. Character. I love Julian. Oh, well, he's great, too. But mm-hmm. Mama Yorley, oh, like, she is my favorite. Definitely. She is my favorite. She grows up, and um, she starts to begin her, you know, her journey into what oh, the gods have saved her for. She says, I like boys. <laughs> oh my That's gosh. what she does. That's basically what Waiting for Life is. She's like, my life is boring. A boy. Yes. <laughs> and it, well, and it's funny, because I remember the girl, I saw, I saw the show with one of my friends. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I hate this story. It's just about a girl pining after a boy. <gasps> no, it's so much more. I know. <laughs> and also, I like want to look at her. I'm like, you mean to tell me that there wasn't a point in your life where your whole life was going after a boy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Waiting for Life, one of my favorite solos, I think, in the musical theater canon. Like, it's such a good song, I think. And it is unfortunate that we can't sing it but um but I think it's a great song just written really well and the the message behind it is really nice yeah it's it is beautiful I love that and then of course we move on to the gods and their I think the mango part is so ridiculous what is their game they're like hmm you know what we're gonna screw with this girl we're gonna we're gonna make her life a living heck, you know? <laughs> no, like, what is, what is their game? Why don't are they, like... This is the one part of the story I never understand. They're literally discussing what type of mango they want to drop on her head, and <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And then somehow they're, like, Ogwe's, like, oh, this is the start of the journey. I'll create, like, a hurricane or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't... 
Yeah, I don't think the mango actually has any. It doesn't, it just, it I feels think, like it's irrelevant. I think, I think they're just like, oh, she wants, oh, ha ha ha, she wants to be with a grand dome. We need to knock her over the head. And I think, well, I think, <laughs> I think another thing is it, it's trying to humanize the gods and make them, really, like, make their personalities, like, their mm-hmm. individual, like, what they stand for stand out. Like, in that song. Because you yeah. don't see much of the gods work together. You really only see them in their individual mm-hmm. songs as the show progresses, and I think that yeah. humanizes them. But it's also I will a say bit that ridiculous. one that one song is a little like, "Where are we going with this?" Right, you know. Right, and then we move on to "Rain," which I personally think Love. is the best song in the show. I maybe okay, maybe I take that back, but it's one of the most like thrilling. I think. I think so. There is just such a beauty and like a dark stormy scene mm-hmm. but also like the power of the the oh. song as well just I, I just think that the song is really powerful and it I don't know it just yeah it really does it for me no, it's really it is beautiful the harmonies in that too are just oh yeah amazing well and I feel like Agwe is kind of the underrated god of them all oh yeah he but definitely goes like under the radar his song is the most powerful oh and it's definitely the most important because this is how the beginning of it yeah all. this is this is what really sets up the journey um interesting to think though because we all sit here and we're like papa is the evil one papa is the evil one but it's like hmm is the one that starts that wreaks all the havoc for i the know death to happen. right exactly but you don't view agwe as evil i know but at the end of the day isn't it kind of weird don't you think it's kind of weird that um it's like well i guess it's death love earth and water so I guess earth and water but sometimes I'm like Agwe is like the god of water versus like the god of death like is he like what is that important like I don't know I would love to look more into that I just I've always tried to kind of figure out why 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 is it not earth water wind fire right you know I think they just had to uh, pick the pick the the elements that mm-hmm. were needed in the show. I guess, but yeah. I also think. Le- well, we kind of skipped over this, but let's talk about Papa Gay and Erzuli's like kind of fight, mm-hmm. um, love versus death. What like what do you think on that? What do you think about the the is love more powerful than death situation? Mm-hmm. Is love more? Pa- I mean, if- I think the story shows it in a really. Um, of course it is. I mean, cool way. She t- mean, she she gives her life for him basically, and mm-hmm. that proves that love overcomes death. Like I think it's also it's interesting that it's not like a love versus hate, mm-hmm. or you know, it's it's a love versus death. It's like that's yeah. what he has to resort to. It's like I think the beautiful message is that love can survive even in the face of death and this is something that you see in a lot of musicals you see this in in into the woods you see this in les mis you see this in children of eden you see it in everything like Mm -hmm. you know it kind of good name drops right there good job no no no, it literally it literally happens in all of those it's you know love is faced with death and it's you know does it survive Mm -hmm. in the face of death and i mean i would say it does it does obviously in the story it does so he he is in a car accident t-moon saves him um which is like what makes t-moon think that it's her job to save him in the first place i don't know but she does and and then she's faced with Papa Gay, and this is an interesting moment because it's like human faced with God, and and even though they're face to face, are they are they really, or is she like? Even though that moment is happening, 
Is she really facing? No, she's imagining it. Right. Wait, are you meaning, are you saying, are, is she imagining Papa Gay or is she imagining her conversation with Daniel before Papa Gay enters? No, no, no. The the Forever Yours uh, moment in the song where she's having a conversation with Papa Gay. She's like talking to death. Oh, no. I don't think she's imagining that. I think that that is fully, mm-hmm. he is there or he or, or she, you know, in the, in the revival, Papa Gay was a woman. Oh, I am aware, and, and I think that was fantastically portrayed. I, I, I do too. I and, and we'll get to my Dreamcast later, but my Dreamcast Papagay is a woman. Yes, love it. Yeah, super powerful. Um, I I would say that she's imagining the Daniel part in Forever Yours, and then when she has the fight with Papagay, I think that's like really happening. Is there any moment where you're like, why is T Moon taking on this responsibility? Like, what gives her the audacity to think that it's her job to save him? You know, no, and here's why. And maybe, maybe I learned this tendency from watching this show, but I'm very much the same way. Where it's <laughs> <I know. laughs> like a situation will fall in my lap, and I'm like, it's mine now. <laughs> like, I have to fix this, yeah. even though it has nothing to do with me, Definitely. which is a terrible trait, and you should not have it. <laughs> but, but that being said, I can totally empathize with it. I can totally see why she's like, I found him. And also, she falls in love with his eyes. And you know what I found interesting that I literally just found out? Well, I guess I didn't find it out, but I just realized it. This is only a one-act show. Mm -hmm. That's so crazy to me. I didn't even know, like, I guess I had only seen the junior version before I saw the revival, but I did not even know the sad tale of the... The the, sad tale of the Bazomes? The Bazomes, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know that 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 story existed until I saw the revival. And I I was sitting there watching the revival and I was like, 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 I understand why it's in the show because it's like, this is what happened and this is, well, that's this is the why whole, there's separation, but I don't like it. The sad tale of the Bazomes is the whole, well, I wouldn't say it's the whole point, but it's, it's... Well, it's not the point of the show. It's basically, like, why there is division between the Islanders and the wealthier group, basically. I don't know. I think... I think the division goes hand in hand of importance with the love in the face of death. Right. I know. I agree. I just think that it should have been dealt with differently in the musical because I don't like it feels very inserted and first of all, like a weird kind of place in the musical. And I think that that I want that like I want that story told at the beginning in like a less extravagant way than it is, I think. I wouldn't necessarily say less extravagant. So I I um, am right there with you where I had never seen or even heard that song until I saw the show on Broadway. I actually, I have a different opinion. I actually loved it. Really? Because I felt like it was such a diversion because we go from Forever Yours to that song and then back to T-Moon and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I just felt like it was misplaced. Yeah, I, I can agree with you that it was probably misplaced, but I think that it's a very important song because it very clearly lays out for you the racial issues yeah, of in the show. Of course. You know, and um, I think that that is also just like, a very relevant problem to today as well. Definitely. So. I mean, the. I think the story is, is one that I said this last week with ragtime. I think ragtime needs a revival soon because I think that people need to understand that the things that are happening in that musical, which was set in 1906 is still happening today in 2020. And that's really sad. And this, even though it just got a revival, like it's still very relevant. Anyway, moving on to one of the most beautiful songs ever written, T Moon. I obviously T Moon has made a decision to leave 
her life behind basically and go take care of Daniel and live with him and try to I don't know whatever journey she's expecting to come from that I think this is the prime egg leaving the nest song Mm -hmm. you know you see the pain that parents go through every time a child walks out the door you know, it's this is the prime. Like th- this can work for sending your kid off to college, sending your your kid off to marriage, mm-hmm. sending your kid off to anywhere. You know, and it's just it's that moment where, as a parent, you realize like I can't control. Like this is like the letting. I I can't make decisions for my grown child, mm-hmm. basically. And I think what's heartbreaking about the song is if you know the ending, like you know how it ends, because mm-hmm. a lot of stories like this where, like, someone leaves the nest, they go off, and it's heartbreaking to the parents, but they go off to find a better life. She's not going off to find a better life. She's going off to save a life and, in return, give hers. Yeah, and also the end, the the last line of the song is always gets me the, you know where I'll be, always there with me, Mm -hmm. Team Moon. Yeah, I think that is something that definitely mother-daughters feel, but, you know, just, uh, you know, child to parent. And then also, like, watching Mama just break down once T-Moon is out of sight. It's just, like, heartbreaking. So T-Moon sets off on this journey to go to the Grand Ohms and find Daniel because she's convinced, well, she knows that she's the only one that can save him because of the whole confrontation with Papa Gay. And who do we find lurking in the forest but Miss Asaka herself? And I think this, this is a beautiful segue from the song T-Moon because, you know, she's saying goodbye. But then also, like, I know that they're not, like, played by the same character, but I think it's, like, a really lovely metaphor, like, Mama will provide. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like, you know, her mother goes, like, the spirit of her mother goes with her. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that it's just, it's a really, it's a great moment for Asaka and her mm-hmm. storyline throughout this whole show is yep. just... Just t- watching over and taking care of Team Moon. And this is one of my favorite, this is one of my favorites. It might even be my favorite from the show. Mm-hmm. But it's, first of all, it's very feel good, very upbeat, you know, oh, yeah. like gives you hope. I- I'm not kidding. I'm, I will be on hikes and I'm like, <laughs> cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> you know, like I'm like listening to everything. Asaka's watching after oh, you. <laughs> for, I am not kidding. Like, I will be in nature, and I'm like, she's here. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're crazy. <laughs> oh my goodness, but yeah, no, I. This is so fun. I love how she helps her out, mm-hmm. you know, and it's oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I love it. And so Team Moon's on her way, and she has some issues getting in to the the Grand Elms because she is obviously a peasant from the island and mm-hmm. does not belong there, and. Eventually, she finally gets in. She finds Daniel in a not good state, and she's like, I can heal you. And then, oh, Erzuli with this beautiful song, The Human Heart, basically just talking about how, she, you know, love, it's a love, love can conquer it's all. Song, yeah. It's it's such a pretty song. Um, I feel like Erzuli, I don't know why, but Erzuli for me kind of falls under the radar of the gods as well. But Oh, really? I, I Well, I guess in she, she makes like a good comeback when... Oh, what's the song where her and Papa Gay are? It's the reprise. The reprise of Forever Yours, yeah. yeah. I feel like she makes a comeback, but I, I don't know. I just, for me, it's she kind of like falls under the radar. It's kind of like an Agwe, I guess. I don't know. I guess, yeah. I would say, I, I, I understand that. I understand mm-hmm. where that thought is coming from. And then after The Human Heart, the, the show kind of like... <laughs> Just like completely, like I just like kind of forget about the next parts until we get to the Forever Yours 
Um, oh, no, I know this all by heart. I know. I, I think I could probably recite the musical. I, 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 I know to. you could. But as um, far as like, as far as like things that draw me in, I feel like the story has basically been told and now we're just like seeing. Well, you know, the next few songs, it is just classic high school, <laughs> you know, yeah. messiness, you know, <laughs> it's literally, look, it's literally called gossip you know Mm -hmm. and they're like oh well some girls are saying this and some girls are saying that Mm -hmm. and she's this and have you seen the clothes and she doesn't wear shoes and oh my goodness and then I um, think the biggest thing that happens is we're introduced to Andrea Andrea. and we kind of see the social standing and how T-Moon could never actually be with Daniel because he cannot be with a, a girl of such low status and he's already promised away to this other girl anyway. Well, I don't even think you see it in that song. You know, you just see this girl being like, hmm, 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 you know? And then also, not only that, but she attempts to make fun of her. She's like, I heard you dance, peasant. Mm-hmm. Do your peasant dance for us, you know? And I mean, in my opinion, she made knocks it out of the Oh, for sure. I mean, in the revival, Haley Kilgore killed I that know, moment. She was so good. And so did her understudy. I was, I got the privilege of being able to see Haley and her understudy. Oh, really? Yes. I saw Haley. So. Yeah, I saw them both. And they both were just like, oh, chef's kiss. Sure. So good. Do you think Andrea is at all right in the way she believes? Like, do you think that that it's it's just like that's the way she was raised to not not so not necessarily is she right but like does she have the means to say what she says this comes back to evil characters being in the right Mm -hmm. she says something well it's very clear she's in love with you if you care if you care at all you must tell her Mm -hmm. you must tell her dot 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 that you can't be with her because this is the way things are and so that's another thing where it's like Andrea is kind of just doing what she needs to do she's Mm -hmm. telling it how it is it does suck that she's gossiping and making fun of her and I think that that is wrong but that being said she does you know it's the way Daniel chokes he chokes she's like oh my goodness what we have to take a little scroll back Sorry. Okay, scroll back. Go we ahead, didn't girl. talk about some girls. That song, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm telling you, I blur this part out oh, until we get to the Forever Year. So you go guys. ahead. This is coming from a girl's melting heart. Something you always want to hear mm-hmm. is that there are some girls who can be perfect on paper, and then there are just some girls who are just different. And I love this song. I love the song Some Girls, it's sung by Daniel, who mm-hmm. is the love interest of T-Moon, yeah. as we know. It, it's one of those things, you know, it's that girl next door thing where he's like, yep, there are some girls who are very pretty and have everything money can buy and they're smart and they're classy. And then there are those girls who just catch your eye and there's just something about them, even if they're not as educated, even if they're not as this or that. And also the last line of that song, some girls you marry, some you love. Right. <gasps> oh yeah. That that How line does hit like it very deep. It's because it's true. Well, especially back then, I think I think now like in these day this day and age it's a little bit different, but like back then and in those cultures, I mean, you're promised 
to marry someone oh, at the I age of five. Say, I can't even say that it's different today. You know, and, and and like, you know, you think about it, it's like when you think about people, you're like, well, are they marriage material? Well, are they marriage material? What is marriage material? You know what I Girl, mean? Girl, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what is marriage material? But at the same time, it's so true. And that hits any, any teenager who's ever been in love where <laughs> like, you cannot tell me that there has not been a moment where it's you and the other girl and they choose the other girl because of logistics. Oh, <laughs> kills me. You heard it here first on So I Got My BFA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're qualified no. to talk about all of this because yes. we have our BFA. No, Some Girls <laughs> is the most beautiful song of a man talking about a woman, in my opinion. I just, I can't. I love it. So, sorry, we had to scroll well, now back let's, to that. Well, let's talk about the big kahunas of the show now. The yeah. Forever Yours reprise, where Papa Gay hands T-Moon a knife and says, the choice is yours, girly girl. His life or yours, love or death. Well, Who wins? you know, because he just, he just hurt her. Because at the end of We Are Wed, she's like, clearly, Daniel is that guy. Mm-hmm who is a liar, <laughs> you know, you know, she's like, we talked about this. We were going to race away in a car and we're going to have children in a garden. Why would you tell me that if you weren't, if you knew that you weren't going to follow through, this is the classic first breakup that you learn all your lessons from. That is what this is. <laughs> can you, can, can you imagine someone being like, I want to marry you, have kids with you. And all of these things. And I'm just not going to mention the fact that I can't. And yeah. then he's like, oh, oh, I thought you knew. What is that? Well, I think it just goes to show you that Dan- Daniel is a great A jerk. And um, we'll get to that yeah. later who's at the, the very re- end of this. Who's the but real jerk? Let's Daniel talk or Papa Gay? <laughs> let's talk about Forever Yours reprise. Okay, sorry. Just this had is, to touch on that. I mean, this is like one of my favorite moments in the show. It's so powerful because you just see love versus the death turmoil, play out. yeah. And it it takes everything in her to not take that knife to him. And when you see her go to stab him and then she pulls back like mm-hmm. that, like it's like a, like you're on the edge of your seat moment and then it's like a, oh, like mm-hmm. take a deep breath. Like she chooses she him. Chooses, she chooses him. him. She chooses him because it's, you know, this is very much a lame is Eponine at the barricade taking the <laughs> bullet from Arius moment where it's just like, it's, if I don't kill you now, then I'm basically killing myself. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's the selflessness. Well, and I think what the heartbreaking part about that is, is that she doesn't die right away. Oh no, he makes she, her suffer. Yeah. She suffers after this. And then, um, oh, you know what? Sorry, this is all getting into technical high school stuff, but I, I do love to connect it to real life situations this is the typical oh well she's just crazy he he turns around he sees her with the knife and she's like he's like what are you doing and she's like I love you and he's like "Ugh, she tried to kill me cast her out like oh if only you knew if only you knew and then so moving on towards the end of the show she goes back every day and you she know, doesn't cry. go back she stays she never leaves. Oh right. The gate. Well, she's she's at the gate calling for him every day, mm-hmm. and um, and she's like, do you, eventually, do you remember? Do you remember me? And he just looks away. Yeah. And it's really heartbreaking. No, and he then throws her. You know, he throws her a coin. He, no, not a coin. He throws her the charm. Oh. 
Yeah, so, okay, so we didn't talk about this. T-Moon crafts out this, like, little love charm and gives it to him right before Human Heart. Right, right, right. And, you know, on the wedding day of Andrea and Daniel, they come out to throw coins at the peasants, and he throws her the charm back. Mm-hmm. And then she dies, which is really unfortunate. But then we see this beautiful, like, I mean, there's a reason. There was a reason for her death. I don't even think it's so much love conquers death. I think it's love conquers all. Because she dies and they have this beautiful metaphor and symbolism of her turning into this tree and being a a standing standing ground for um, peasants and grandomes to play underneath and meet. Cracks the wall of the hotel. Literally breaks the barrier. Exactly. It's a perfect lead-in to why we tell the story. Mm -hmm. And it is. It's exactly why. We tell the story because it's important. Mm -hmm. Because not only does it show you that love conquers all, it's a metaphor that everyone should get along with everyone and there should be no division. Yep. Oh, and something that we never talked about. This whole story is being taught and told to a child. To To the child that Daniel's... Um, son mm-hmm. meets under mm-hmm. T-Moon. Exactly. Yeah. Because they, they portray it as though they're telling the story to a child mm-hmm. and then that child is little T-Moon and then becomes mm-hmm. T-Moon and yeah. then at the end she, she comes in and she's like, this is why mm-hmm. we tell the story. Yeah. I think, I don't know, it's all just about teaching life lessons, I think. Yeah, exactly. And so like overall, like what do you, what do you think of the story and what do you... Well, a very cool connection that I noticed... Because I read the script for this once. I, I went through and I read the script because I like to do that. I like I like to read librettos and scripts and, like, find all the key connecting points. Very technical BFA thing you that do right there. <laughs> um, and in the first moments of the show, there is an island where rivers run deep, where the sea sparkling in the sun earns its name to the Antilles, an island where the poorest of peasants labor and the wealthiest of Grand Dome play. Mm-hmm. Two different worlds on one island. Yeah, sorry. Genevieve, it, it you're going to get me copyrighted. No, I, no, I'm sorry. But it's like two different worlds on one island. And it, and it, Genevieve's now just going to perform the entire no, show. No, 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 I'm not. They say, you know, two different worlds on one island, the Grand Dome wealthy, the peasants not wealthy. And it also talks about the colors of their skins and everything like that. And so they talk about the division in the beginning, but at the end, she re- she repeats the same speech. You see some resolution in that last speech because Definitely. they take out the part about the division. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I just think that the show is, it just comes full circle and it just wraps it up so like nicely in a nice tight little bow. Like it's, mm-hmm. I say this almost about every single musical on this podcast, but I really do feel like this is like a flawless show. I don't, I think that the one thing that I would do is take out and not like take it, take out the storyline because obviously it's very important storyline, but that one song where they're explaining the divisions of the, and how that came to be. I think that that should be less extravagant and probably put in, in a different place, but that's the only thing I would change about the whole musical. Honestly, I can't change it. <laughs> Genevieve loves it. I can't. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's my favorite. It's literally my favorite. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our favorite characters, our least favorite characters. And then I also like to do this thing where I give the Tony Award gold star moment of the show for me. So I want to know um, what yours is as well. So I would say my favorite character is Papa Gay because of what his storyline brings to the show and how powerful 
his force is and how he is just very this is the way it is this is the way it's always been and if you choose to change it you have to sacrifice yourself but this is the way that it's going to happen mm-hmm. and it's I just, fate basically yeah he's I just think that his char- character is the most powerful character in the show I respect that I respect that a lot actually I do have a soft spot for Papa Gay <laughs> but hands down I said this already Mama Yurley favorite character. (laughs) When I tell you, when I saw this show on Broadway, I could not take my eyes off of Mama. Mm -hmm. And I... I was very well cast. I felt like she was just holding my hand through the whole thing. (laughs) I really did. And just when, right um, before Teen Moon's dance, when you hear like the we dance, we dance. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like the sound of like her mother. It's like bringing you back to, oh, she's just... Most powerful character, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Most powerful. You know, this is a, this is a story about that, love. Nobody portrays the love better than Mama. Definitely. And I think that Mama Yearly is also a character that can get lost sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. she she has such a powerful part in the story. And I feel like sometimes it gets lost on others. Like, when... Because, you know, when you watch mm-hmm. the grand scheme of the show, she's not in a lot of it. But, like, mm-hmm. her... Like, motherly presence in Teen Moon's life is one of the most important, I think. Oh, yeah. Hands down, she's my favorite. And my least favorite character is definitely Daniel. I think that he is just, like, the turmoil of the show. I I think the difference between him and uh, Andrea is that Andrea sees things the way that they have to be, and she's very upfront with Teen Moon about it. And Daniel just strung her along. Daniel strings her along. He lies to her. He he is in the same position of as Andrea where he knows the way that things have to be and he decides to string her along anyway. And I just think that that is such a crappy personality trait. And it's like he doesn't think of his consequences. Like he just goes through life probably because he grew up rich and he just, you know, had everything handed to him and, uh, you know, things always went his way. And I, I just think that in the moment, he should have been truthful with T-Moon and not strung her along this whole way. And I think mm-hmm. that the, the fact that he did just makes him not a good character. And I also think that he's super, like, one-dimensional, too. I feel like he doesn't have a lot of depth to him. I don't know. I, see, that's hard. My least favorite character? I wouldn't necessarily say Daniel's my least favorite character. Oh, you know who's my least favorite character? Who? Daniel's father okay (laughs) Daniel's father he's minor but you know what that's the root of it folks that's where he learns it yep Daniel's father hands down the worst because he's the one because actually what we forgot to mention is Daniel actually does say like I'm going to marry T-Moon I want to marry T-Moon and his dad was like uh no yeah you are not that's true Mm -hmm. that's true he does I mean it stems from somewhere so definitely no Daniel's father hands down least favorite character and my Tony Award gold star moment goes to okay this is a moment that actually happened in the revival but it would it would be the moment would be this song in particular but there's a very specific moment that I'm like referring to it's the song forever yours first of all I think it's one of the best songs in the show and second of all there's a moment where Daniel is lying on the table or wherever T-Moon on the ground wherever T-Moon has him and she's like your life is forever mine and and you mm-hmm. are mine and and Papa Gay in the revival is like 
somehow they have like rearranged it where he has taken form of where Daniel was and nobody knows that it's him or her in this case scenario and she just pops out and she's like mine you, mm-hmm. you know what part of the song I'm talking about and it is it was oh my gosh it was so like goosebumps everywhere it was an amazing powerful moment and that song is just powerful in itself so that is my tony award gold star moment of the whole show it doesn't have to be like a specific moment like i just said but like if you have like i i have a specific gold star moment for the revival so the same actress who played mama yearly Mm -hmm. is playing the maid at the hotel and team moon is doing her dance and when when the maid joins her and it's the same actress as the mom it's like bringing her back you know because like I'm sure that she doesn't want to be a servant there you know like she just she's probably in a way enslaved to them Mm -hmm. and this is the first taste of where she's from that she's had in a long time and you see the joy of her just starting to dance with Mm T-Moon I was crying (laughs) when she started doing the dance with her I was like oh my goodness the the nostalgia you know yeah definitely all right well this is the point in the podcast where we rate the show and I get I'm gonna get so much flack for this because I never rate a show poorly I just haven't we haven't reviewed a musical that I don't like yet there are musicals out there that I don't like we've already talked about I don't really like Phantom of the Opera but I'm gonna give this nine out of ten jewels of the Antilles because I think that it's, it is basically a flawless musical. The story is, it, it's just like the classic like storytelling. And that's what, in my mind, what musical theater is all about, is telling a story, simple, extravagant, just storytelling. And I just think that it's beautiful. Oh, I give it an 11. <laughs> I do. There's 11, no 11 out of 10 what? Jewels. No, you have to you have to come up with a new a new one. That's the whole point of this. What? We have a, we have to have different rating systems. <laughs> All right, I give it 11 out of 10 mangoes. Like I just oh. like I it's fantastic you could drop all 11 of those mangoes on my head you still would not change my mind yeah no other musical I I swear when I am upset when things are not going right this soundtrack goes on I dance around the room <laughs> Genevieve will pull out this musical out of nowhere and just start like jamming oh, I, to I it. relate everything back to it I mean even you know I talked about it you know high school oh yes drama, <laughs> which we all have definitely yeah, it's everything Definitely. It's it's, it's a musical that we definitely are both very, very passionate about, which is And it why is the best I, musical I've ever seen. Which <laughs> which is why I wanted to talk about it on this very first episode with my very first special guest. Yay. And hopefully she will come back and do more with me. Oh, I'm sure. Co-host? This has been so fun. Oh, Hey-o. Maybe. What an honor. <laughs> oh, well that's what you get for living with me. So you're mm-hmm. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So now guys, you know it. We're about to talk about the Dreamcast. I had um, some trouble with this Dreamcast because, as I said before, there's a lot of, of roles that you see people play and you're like, I don't want, I don't need to see anyone else play them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it, it's just so, it's it's so perfectly cast already. And so I was like thinking, I was like, oh, who would, who would I want to see this? And I was like, oh, no, that's not, they're not as good as the person I saw or, um, but I have created it. I think I like what I have, honestly. So 
Um, Genevieve, if you have someone you'd like to, to weigh in on or if you have your own Dreamcast, be more than willing to share. See, I know that you don't like, I know that you don't like saying like people who have already played the roles, but honestly, I mean, I loved the revival cast. But the original cast. The original is also amazing. Sean's, you can't get better oh, than that. No, for no, sure. No, I will say I do have. I'm a huge fan of this girl, and I she, I don't know how well known she is yet. But her okay. name is Catherine Allison. Well, let's let's get to her when you when we get to the role that you you think she should play. Okay, so let's start with T Moon. I said Nikki M. James. How old is she now? I had trouble with Team Moon because I was trying to find someone who would capture, like, that youthful essence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like she and Nikki M. Janes would be perfect. I mean, if you can if you can play Ebony and you can play Team Moon, I feel like. Yeah. Well, probably. under certain circumstances, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're very similar characters in a way. Right. And then I also, for, like, an interesting take on it, thought of maybe Zendaya. I feel like she would bring, like, that more youthful glow, like, naivete, but also, like, mm-hmm. strong at the end. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen Zendaya in much, you know, because I was, you know, I had gotten out of my Disney Channel phase when the Shake It Up came on. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I actually don't know what else she's been in other than The Greatest Showman, which I still have not seen. You've it's never seen The Greatest Showman? Huge slap on the wrist. Okay, movie night um, mm. tomorrow. <laughs> Moving on to Asaka. I went back and forth because, I mean, after seeing Alex Newell do it, my instinct was to be like Amber Riley, like, duh. But, no, I really want to see Charity Angel Dawson, who she she started the, as the understudy but then uh, went on to replace Becky in Waitress. And she, I think she would kill this role. I think that she has the that, like, Mama will provide sass, like, the everything Asaka, like, needs. So this is where I'll bring up my... Okay, go ahead. Hidden gem. So, I don't know how well-known she is. I know she's been on Broadway. She's been in Wicked, and she's been in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. It's this woman named Catherine Allison. Okay. And she, let me tell you, voice like no other, incredible, super talented. Look her up on YouTube. I discovered – well, I mean, I didn't discover her. <laughs> but I, I personally discovered her when I was, you know, like in high school – I, you know, I, I, when I was looking up, like, things for colleges, I saw that she went to Ithaca, and I saw some videos, and I was like, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. woman is amazing. And um, I actually got to see her in Aladdin. She doesn't know me. I'm, I am, like, that crazy fan from afar that she's never going to know. Um, but um, she's incredible, and I think she would be a wonderful Asaka, but also a very great Mama Yearly. Interesting. I think she would be great in both of those. And that is like the one person where I'm like, oh, I would kill to see her in the show. Yeah. And then moving on to our god. Well, never mind. We're already on the gods because we just talked about Asaka. Agwe. Uh, Jennifer and I actually talked about this. And we mm-hmm. decided uh, Christopher Jackson, mm-hmm. who was Mr. Mm-hmm. George Washington himself. Uh, we were thinking, we were like, who's better than Norm Lewis? I mean, like, who? it's, it's hard to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, pick someone after Norm has played it, and I also I also feel like Brian Stokes Mitchell would probably be good as well. I just thought of that one off the top of my head, but I feel like they did have very he not similar. Already play him at one point. I thought he did. Did he? I thought he was. Is he not the one who was the original in the revival? Because Norm was not the original. Oh, Broadway. you're right. I don't think it was Brian though. 
If it was, it'll be in the blooper reel next year, next oh, week. Man. <laughs> Never forgotten. Sorry, original Agua and Revival. <laughs> Whatever. No. <laughs> no. Um, Erzuli, I said Vanessa Williams because I feel like she has this very motherly mm-hmm. presence. Um, I mean, obviously, beautiful job as the witch in Into the Woods Revival. Mm-hmm. Um, Genevieve and I actually talked about this as well because I, I was like, Audra McDonald, she's got to be in this show somewhere. But would she be Erzuli or would she be Mama Yurali? I and would put her as Erzuli. I personally put her as Mama Yurali because I feel that Audra has... I, th- I feel like Erzuli's motherly presence versus Mama Yurali's motherly presence are very different. I feel like Mama Yurali is much more like mature and... Not that Erzuli isn't mature, but I feel like it, it's just a different vibe that I get. And I feel like Vanessa Williams has the vibe of Erzuli, whereas Audra has the vibe of Mama Yurli. Mm. And I just would love to see Audra just, you know, comforting T-Moon. And I don't know. I think that's... So that's my opinion, personally. And then moving on to Papa Gay, who I have cast as a woman because I think that's the way it should be. I mean, Tamara Gray in the revival was fantastic. So I have cast Amber Gray, um, <laughs> which coincidence that they have the same last name I don't believe they're related in any or in any way but she's the original Persephone right now she in Hades Town she's mm-hmm. playing Persephone and I think that she has that like she has such an interesting voice that I think would like do really well as Papa Gay and obviously she would kill the character as well mm-hmm. and then Tauntaun Julian I said Terrence Archie why not yeah he was just in Kiss Me Kate I, I don't know I think he'd do he'd do great yeah yeah and then Daniel, I had trouble with Daniel because I was like, it's hard to find like younger actors, I feel like. Um, Ooh, I like that one. But Jordan Fisher. Yeah. I think he'd be really good. I think he too. Yeah. And then Andrea, I said Danae Benton. And I almost cast Danae as Team Moon, but I felt like she had she was too mature for the role. I, I didn't see that youthful glow. Even like her as Natasha in Great Comet. I, I still feel like had this presence of like maturity that I see more as Andrea than I did Team Moon. And guys, that is the Dreamcast. If you agree, let me know. If you disagree, let me know. Like, I also just gotta say, shout out to all those storytellers. They oh, really carry definitely. the show. I mean, they're the whole show. That's what mm-hmm. I love about old school musical theater versus kind of contemporaries that the ensemble really, really creates, creates the show. Mm-hmm. And also it's just like, good storytelling and mm-hmm. and it's not so like much. no one's like belting high f's in my face it's mm-hmm. just like storytelling and it's mm-hmm. i i said this in about ragtime as well i just wish that you know mm-hmm. theater would start to go back in that direction then mm-hmm. the direction it, it appears to be going in right now which is a bunch of jukebox musicals and mm-hmm. adaptations of films mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that but i just I, I miss, like, the original story. Guys, that concludes our musical of the week. So you guys know what time it is. It's time to move on to the game segment. And you guys know what we're doing today. I was thinking about, like, holding this off. But um, because I had a guest, I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. So let's finish off the champ. Or we have a semifinal round. And then we're going to move into the championship round of buy a ticket, super fan, or pass. All right, guys, just to let you guys know which musicals are still in the running, we have Spring Awakening, Newsies, Wicked, Hamilton, Six, The Color Purple, Waitress, and Hadestown. And so since there are eight, and it's not a multiple of three, I've decided to do one versus one, 
and then that will leave me with four, and whichever four I have left, I will rank them, what I think four, three, two, one is. And Genevieve, since you're here, you can, you are more than welcome to give your opinion. It doesn't mean that I'll pick, if you have a different opinion than me, I might pick what I think, but um, you are more than welcome to chime in here. So, all right. Buying ticket, super fan, or pass, what do you mean? So this is basically like a kiss, marry, kill thing. Oh. And what I've done is, in the past two weeks, I've, I started out with 28, yeah, 28 musicals, and oh I've narrowed it, I've got it down to these eight. Okay. So this is, this won't be super fan, buy a ticket, or pass, because there'll, there will only be two. It'll mm-hmm. just be which one do I prefer over the other. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I draw these out of a hat, they're completely random, and... By the end of today, we will find out what my ultimate super fan musical is. I know that I've already said that Wicked is my favorite musical. However, that was on that day. And I'm telling you, when I'm telling you that my musical changes every week, it's true. My brother actually made fun of me because he was like, Wicked's in the finals. So obviously it's going to win. So I don't know why you're doing this again. I was like, that's not true because you never know what musical I'm going to draw. I feel like I might be able to change your mind. (laughs) You might be. I might. Um, what, what I might draw to come up against Wicked, and if I think that musical at in this moment in time is better, then it, it will win. All right, so here we go. So we have Spring Awakening, and we have Six. Ooh, this is hard. I have to, so we have to choose which one. I have like. to pick which one I would prefer over the other. Here's the thing. I've never seen Six. I've listened to the album, which is, which is phenomenal. However, I want to say, because Spring Awakening has been, like, It's been one of my favorite musicals for forever. I think the story is really beautiful. It's super poetic, and I love all the songs. I'm going to say Spring Awakening. I would pick that one, too. All right, moving on. We have Wicked, and we have Hadestown. This is um, an interesting pairing, and I feel like I'm going to pick one and get a lot of slack for it, but it's kind of the same thing as what I just said. I have never seen Hades Town. I did not get to see it before the shutdown. So I know the soundtrack and I I do know the story, but I don't know the show, so I can't comment on whether I would prefer to see it over Wicked. Mm-hmm. And Wicked being one of my all-time favorites, I feel like that's what I have to pick to win. I'd say Wicked too. So, Wicked is wins this out. And Hades Town gets the boot. But, you know, Hades Town made it in the top eight. So for me, never having seen that, I would say that it did pretty well. All right, next we have Hamilton and the color purple. Oh, oh no. See, this is the dilemma because I have seen both of these and they're amazing for different reasons. I would say that the color purple, the story, and I mean, I'm here alone. Like, it just, it. I'm ripping off the band aid. Hamilton. You're going to I'm going to say Hamilton. And here's why. Because right now, I remember the color purple being amazing and lovely or whatever. And maybe Hamilton's just, like, very recent right now. But, mm-hmm. like... I mean, I would say that there's a reason Hamilton won all of those Tonys mm-hmm. and was nominated. It, The way it is mm-hmm. crafted... I would, here's what I'll say. The story, I like the story and the color purple better. I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a better, more pronounced story mm-hmm. everything else about Hamilton I think mm-hmm. takes the cake I'm because I yeah I and I think I would say Hamilton as well I just think it is I and I for, kind of forgot about it because I saw it in 2016 when all the hype was happening and then it, I, I kind of just like lo- didn't lose interest but it fell off the radar but when it came back out re-watching it and remembering all of the I mean the set the choreography mm-hmm. the just like everything, it just it's so amazingly put together. So mm-hmm. Hamilton wins out on that. 
and that means the last two are Newsies and Waitress. Not even a question. Not I don't think so either. Question. I don't think so either. Newsies. Newsies for sure. Oh, of course. Newsies for sure. Waitress had made it this far because I think that it is um, underrated. And I think that, again, like, I think the choreography tells the story. But that's, like, my favorite part about it mm. is, is the way that the choreography is intertwined through it all. So, guys, the top four are Spring Awakening, Wicked, Hamilton, and Newsies. And now the horrendous job that I have is to put them in an order from four to one. So, here we go. I feel like, is this a conversation that I have to have, or should I just dive into it? I mean, I know what we can put last. Do you? Yeah. Well, we can put last. This is my super fan. Okay. (laughs) But I do, I want to hear, well, okay, go ahead. You tell me your opinions, and then I will. I would put Spring Awakening last. Okay. And then Hamilton. Okay. Newsies and then Wicked. Wicked wins for me too. Wicked wins for you? Wicked wins for me. I just, uh, I can't. Girl power. I don't know. I don't know (laughs) what to say. It's just, it's girl power. It's beautiful. It's overcoming obstacles. It's a great story. Yeah. And I think that, I think that the fact that it did not win Best Musical over Avenue Q is injustice. To the theater world. It was up against Avenue Q. 2004. Avenue Q was off-Broadway. No. Yes. Avenue Q won Best Musical in 2004 over Wicked. Look it up. Really? I was just as shocked as you were. I didn't know that Avenue Q was ever on Broadway. I thought it was the longest running. It was on Broadway, and then it went off. And Avenue Q... Oh! (laughs) Yeah, that's a disgrace. Sorry. Here's the thing. I'm going to agree with you. I think Spring Awakening gets fourth place. So it gets honorable mention. Mm -hmm. My bronze is going to go to... Hamilton. I know. What did you put as third? Hamilton. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. <clears throat> should I announce the silver or should I announce the the gold? The gold. Okay. That's how you do it. Okay. Well, I always feel so bad because second place never gets recognized because they're always like, "These are the final two. And I just want to hear what you have to say. Okay. My first place ultimate super fan musical for today is Newsies. I respect that. I respect that because I was looking at that and I was like, I've seen both Wicked and Newsies. And to this day, other than um, before I saw Once on this Island, to this day, I was always saying Newsies is the best show I've ever seen on Broadway. It's incredible mm-hmm. how they tell a story through choreography. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's 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 and it's young so intricate. It's not like Cats where yeah. it's like that story is like completely told mm-hmm. through choreography. Like there are like giant ballads and a good story to be told even so it's about young people standing up for what is right Mm -hmm. and that is also what we are facing today it is definitely very relevant and Catherine is um an ultimate dream role that is achievable for me (laughs) (laughs) alphabet i would say is an ultimate dream role that at this point in my life is not achievable because um you know, vocal things, but... Uh, oh, Alphaba is still probably my I know. number one. It's, it's probably oh, my number one. definitely is my number one. But as mm-hmm. far as, like, achievable, like, I would say Catherine and Newsies. Is- I think the barrier that's keeping me from Alphaba is four inches. <laughs> <laughs> so, here, here's what we got, guys. We have first place, ultimate super fan musical, Newsies. Second place, with the silver, Wicked. Mickey, that one's for you. <laughs> um... Third place with the bronze, we have Hamilton. And fourth place, coming in with that honorable mention, is Spring Awakening 
Let's not ever forget about Spring Awakening. It's such a beautiful musical. And when done well, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, can knock your freaking socks off. Mm-hmm. So Very important musical. Very important lessons. Oh, definitely. Um, guys, I stretched a game over three podcasts. Three episodes. Incredible. Wow. I really did that. <laughs> it's because I didn't want to have to come up with a new game for next week. But now that I have another person... The games are only just beginning, kids, because now that I have another person and I'm not playing a game with myself, just get ready. Get ready, kids. And of course, you guys know we're going to close this podcast out with the weekly advice column. And today is not so much um, advice, but something that I feel is important to talk about in the realm of musical theater. Today's advice column has to deal with the idea of a type in musical theater and whether or not you should try to fit into what your type is or whether you should try to break outside of the barriers and step outside the box and, you know, be what you want to be and not what someone sees you as. And I have the perfect person to talk with me about this because Genevieve and I are a little bit different on this. I um, like my type. I feel like what, what I am typed as is what I, what I do well. However, I do wish that I was seen as more than what my type is. Genevieve's view on her type is, go ahead. So here's what I'll say. Type evolves. It evolves. And I also, the concept of type is going away. Definitely. That's what many people Definitely. Have said. But um, type evolves and many people are going to see you as something different. I know I had two coaches in college in my final semester and the roles that each of them gave me were so drastically different. I right. was like, um, what? Well, my type from first semester of senior year, what I perceived to be my type, completely changed second mm-hmm. semester of senior year because two people were seeing me as two different things. Well, throughout college, I went from playing old lady to 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it's all over the place. So I would say always step out of your comfort zone. Always step out of the box. That being said, don't blind yourself to reality don't right. be delusional there are some roles that you are just never going to play and you might as well rip that band-aid off now <laughs> I had to do the same thing with many roles I will never play Cinderella <laughs> I will never <laughs> you know um I I will never play Elle Woods <laughs> you know well, what I would say is know what you're type is and know what it is that people see you as whether it's one thing or whether it might be one or two things know what that is when you go into an audition like go into the audition knowing that if you're going in to audition for hairspray know whether you're going to be seen as tracy or whether you're going to be seen as penny or whether you're going to be seen as amber you know yeah like but if you're this is kind of like my dilemma because i fit within both penny and amber depending on who's seeing me that day so I go in knowing that, but also like don't go in trying to cater to that mm-hmm. because do what you do best. And then if that person wants to see a different side of you, they're going to ask. This is my best piece of advice for this. Come up with three lists, A, B, C. A being no question, this is what you're perfect for. B being slightly to the left, you know, and then C being like I have to work to show that I can. Mm-hmm. I have to work to show that I can do this and if you can't do it you can't do it and there are just some roles that you're not going to be able to play and that is 
awful, but everyone <laughs> that has is, them. That is life. Everyone has them. That is life. You're not always going to get what you want, and you're only hurting yourself by rebelling mm-hmm. against that. That being said, again, as I said, always step out of your box. Genevieve, fight for what well, you want. what I would say to Genevieve when she says, "I'll never play Cinderella," I would say to her, first of all, do you do you want to play Cinderella?" And if the answer is yes, then you know, go in. And show them what you can do. And if they see you more as a stepsister, they're going to ask you to do something more for the stepsister. But at least you showed them that you have that side of you and that you can. Because you never know. Like, that's what she was saying earlier is that the, the concept of type is evolving and disappearing, honestly. And casting directors are looking for new, new ways of, of portraying musicals. And especially and- if you're young. Definitely. Especially if you're young. It's it's insane how things change with what you're doing. I got a role in college that I didn't think I would ever play. When mm-hmm. I got called back for it, I was like, they, which they, is, they which, mistyped. <laughs> which is funny because she got called back for it and I said, you're perfect for this role. And I and was it's, like, it's I'm so, sorry. That's the whole thing about no. theater is it's so subjective. So mm-hmm. do what you do best. Know the parameters of what people are going to see you as. But you don't have to necessarily stick to them to a T. Be the most diverse you can be. Right. And go in and be yourself. And that's that's mm-hmm. going to tell them what they're looking for. If you're authentically yourself, they're going to know where to put you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So break barriers, bust walls, and be you. But don't lie to yourself. <laughs> Genevieve always bringing us down to earth. Back that's, down to reality. That's my specialty. <laughs> Well, guys, that's the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Genevieve, thank you for being my first ever guest and potentially my new co-host. Yes, potentially. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Don't want to take your thunder. (laughs) Oh, you're not taking my thunder. Trust me. It's much easier to talk to another person for an Mm -hmm. hour than it is to sit here and talk to myself. I feel like having a conversation about these musicals Mm -hmm. and even like these obsessions and even like the advice column, the type talk, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's much better to have like a different opinion and so that like we can talk it out and you know mm-hmm. it's I, I think that a conversation is, is much better than just one singular mm-hmm. opinion but do you have any um thing you'd like to plug before we leave always choose love over death <laughs> okay always. that's not what I meant <laughs> um do you want to give out your Instagram or anything you'd like to plug Oh, it's that the lingo? That's the lingo. Oh, um, I'm a professional podcaster now, so I know all the lingo. I'm so behind on lingo. It's a little embarrassing. Find me on Instagram. It's nothing exciting, but it's at Genevieve underscore Taylor on Instagram. That might be fun. Yeah. Um, And then you can find me on Instagram at underscore Kelsey McFall underscore. And then you can find me on TikTok at KelseyMC137. And if you guys um, do follow me on either of those accounts, go ahead and DM me and tell me that you came from the podcast because I'm really interested to know if anyone is actually following me because of my podcast. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just let me know. You can find this podcast on Spotify and also Apple Podcasts, which is that little purple podcast app that comes on your iPhone already installed. It's so easy. It's all free. It's great. And thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Super fun. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.